0: Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in and through you.
1: Well, it's an honor and a privilege to be with you here again for Revival Nights, and uh, I just, want to say how good it is to see people in the house of God on a Friday night because you're hungry for God. That's a that's a good sign. <laughs> and so bless you for being here. You could be anywhere else, but I don't know about you. This is where I want to be. I, I want to be in the presence of the Lord. That's amazing. And uh, I just want to honor your pastors, your leaders. We just, uh, my wife Lisa is with me here and we've just been growing in friendship with Andrew and Rochelle. And how many know you're blessed with such incredible pastors? Love Jesus, love, love you, love the presence of the Lord. And God's building a really beautiful thing here and don't take it for granted. And, uh, and don't assume you know what it is. <laughs> Amen. Hit record. This is good. Uh, yeah, don't assume you know what it is, you know, because it's bigger than you know because cause we're dealing with God, <laughs> and God just, he goes beyond what we can ask or imagine, but I, I'm telling you, I'm so struck by that picture. I can see it like a dam with a little crack in it, and it's, it's just, it's God's looking for, so he's looking for openings and he's found a crack here, and that's a beautiful thing. He's found a place where his glory can just break through all the other stuff. You know, isn't it troubling when you read the book of Revelation? Jesus is knocking on the door of a church going, hey, can I come in? <laughs> isn't that a troubling thought? Jesus is trying to get into church, and he's like, if anyone could hear, like, I'd come in. But we can we can get so convinced and so stuck in what we're doing that we we don't even recognize the main thing. The main person isn't here. But how we know the presence of the Lord is in this place, and it's such a beautiful thing. It's so good. And uh, so I just honor your leaders and and the way that they're building and what God is doing here, and uh, just excited with you. Excited for what that means for our nation. What that means for our region, uh, because we just we need. We need each other, and so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Matt. This is my wife Lisa. Uh, we're from Lake Mount Worship Center in Grimsby, and uh, we just uh, we're so we we bring you greetings from there. Our house is praying for this house, and and so honored to be running together in these days. Uh, you know, for what God wants to do in our region, God's God's got something for our region, and uh, you know, I don't know how many prophetic words I've ever heard about. Uh, you know, about what God wants to do in the nation of Canada. I don't know how many of them I've heard that have something to do with the sound of, of Niagara Falls. But, you know, I think that God doing something in Niagara and in Niagara Falls is, you know, there's so many prophetic words, we can just pick it up by, like, proximity, right? Uh, but but there's, there's something God's doing here, and, and there's something on that just... What I was just prophesying over this worship community, the sound of many waters, the sound that is in this region, the sound that's in this place. We need to start singing our own songs. Thank God for all the other songs, but we need to start singing our own songs. Amen. And uh, so that's good. We bring you greetings from our house and uh, from just, you know, what God's doing at Lake Mount and just excited to see what God's doing here. And, uh, and I'm going to get into the word. How many love the word of God? All right. Well, then, we're in agreement. I'm going to preach from it. And, and uh, yeah, you know what? I think the, the most anointed preaching you'll hear isn't just the anointing on the preacher. It's also the anointing on the hearer, and we need to partner with faith because Jesus said, let the person who has ears hear what the Spirit's saying. So how many want the ears to hear what the Spirit's saying? That should be all of us. It's more important than what I'm saying. Holy Spirit, anoint me so that as I preach... And anoint us so that as we hear, we're hearing what you're saying to your church in this hour in Jesus' name because he's speaking. Uh, Let me just ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, it's a good idea when you come to church to bring a Bible. And uh, it'll come in handy at sermon time, but also at worship time. And uh, if you're on a digital device, can I just throw this in for free? If you're on a digital device, you know, one of the reasons, you know, when we close our eyes when we pray, we don't close our eyes when we pray because we get better reception. Okay? We don't close our eyes when we pray because, you know, God can't hear us unless our eyes are closed. Because if that were true, you know, all my praying when I'm driving is super dangerous all of a sudden. Okay? We close our eyes when we pray because we want to eliminate distraction. Does that make sense? That's why we do it. You won't find in the Bible where it says close your eyes when you pray. It's just we've, we've taken that practice and said we want to just kind of shut out the distractions so that as we focus in on God, we, we close our eyes so that we can see. So as we come to the word of God, let me just say that it would be pointless for us to close our eyes when we pray and then scroll Instagram or whatever else while we're in the preaching of the word. Amen, Pastor Matt. That's a really good word. I'm, I'm closing it right now. Thank you for that word. It just It's not that that's wrong. It's just in here, it's distracting. And if we can be here while we're here, then what we're praying for has a better chance of happening. We're praying for God to meet us here. Let's fully be here. Attention, heart, mind, and soul. Amen. Amen. Close your eyes. I'm just kidding. All right. So (laughs) Mark chapter five. Okay. We're just going to read a few verses here from Mark chapter five, Jesus in the flow of ministry. And uh, just my, my observation, this is kind of like the crescendo of Jesus earthly ministry uh, in terms of the miraculous, just the miracle realm that was just, you know, kind of at a fever pitch. And I want us just to dig into the word of the Lord here tonight and then in a few moments we're just going to be calling on God in hunger and prayer and believing for God to meet us here tonight. Mark chapter 5 verse 24 says this, says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, just let that sink in, 12 years. 12 years, think of how your life was different 12 years ago. Some of you that have kids didn't have them 12 years ago. Some of you that are married weren't married 12 years ago. Some of you that have no hair had hair (laughs) 12 years ago. I just want you to think about the length of time that 12 years is. And by any measure, 12 years is a considerable length of time. This is an allegory this is this is rec- recorded history but it's the inspired word of God. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Verse 26 she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had yet instead of getting better she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, somebody say immediately. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Now, just for a moment, just pretend you've never heard this before. That's amazing. That's amazing. She was bleeding for how many years? Twelve years. A lifetime ago. Kids ago. A marriage ago. Hair ago. Like 12 years she was bleeding. Twelve years not ago, but 12 years long. Twelve years of a circumstance that is painful and debilitating. We're going to dig in to what it is, but it was a long time of this thing going on. And for 12 years it was that way, and she had an idea, touched the hem of Jesus' garment and immediately she the bleeding stopped and she felt she was healed. That's amazing. And somebody should get encouraged if you're in the middle of something. Someone should get encouraged if you've been facing something for a long time. If it's been a long time, it doesn't mean it's for all time. It just means that Jesus can still step into the midst of your 12 year journey. He can step into the middle, like He can change anything. So get your hopes up. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Awkward. <laughs> Everyone's just walking along. It's an awesome Jesus service. People are loving it. You know, there's lots of faith going. Jesus is teaching. And the crowd is so intense. It says that they were, it was so intense they were all pressing around him, right, just this huge crowd that is pressing around him, and Jesus feels power go out, and he says, who touched my clothes? That's a, that's a interesting moment, because the disciples follow up, and they say, verse 31, you see the people crowding against you, his disciple answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? Luke's gospel says it was Peter, of course it was Peter, going, Jesus, everyone's touching you, what what are you talking about? Who didn't touch you? I mean, this, it's busy. You're kind of a big deal. And I'm his best friend, everybody. He's practically selling tickets to touch him. How can you ask who touched me? Contemplate their question. Because the scripture just continues, Jesus kept looking so there's a rhetorical answer for us to contemplate how can you ask who touched me? The reason he's asking who touched me is because he felt power go out. The reason he's asking who touched me is because when he felt the power go out, he knew that there was something that led to the release of power. He knew it was faith. He knew that someone wasn't just jostling to get close to him through the crowd. He knew that it wasn't just people in the right place at the right time. But somebody had the right mindset and the right attitude of faith. And when they touched him, it wasn't just a brush or a coincidence, but they were pulling on something heavenly. They were pulling on the anointing and Jesus stopped to ask who did it. And the people are wondering, how can he ask that? This is a busy, busy meeting, Jesus. We're walking and we're in the middle of another miracle. This is a miracle within a miracle. It's like miracle inception in the Bible. They're on their way to Jairus' house. And on the way, this miracle happens. But Jesus, verse 32, kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I want to talk to you tonight about desperation, about a desperation that has a direction I wanna to talk to you about a desperation that has a focus. A desperation that is not just generalized, but a desperation that has hunger and knows the address that you're mailing that hunger toward. A number of years ago, when when our kids were little, even before our youngest daughters, Sarah was born. My wife, Lisa, and I went to a, a birthday party for one of the families at the church that we were serving at at the time, and, and we had our, our oldest daughter, Abby, and our middle child, Joey, I, they wanted to swim in the pool, and so that fell to dad to swim with two, two children under the age of two in a pool. Is there anything more stressful than pools and children? Yes, there is. Water parks. Every kid looks the same when they're wet. And if you have a kid that's a flight risk, good luck at a water park. Can I get an amen to that? Well, anyways, we, we're we at this pool party and... And it felt to me to take the kids in the pool. And so this pool is busy. There's all kinds of people, you know, the older kids and the adults are diving in one end. And, and then there's some kids floating around on, you know, swans and whatever, not real swans, like the inflatable ones. It wasn't like some ritzy party with a bunch of rich people. Like, let's get a swan and f- swim with it. Okay, it was inflatable. Don't be weird. Okay, so, so I'm in this pool and I've, I'm getting these, you know, our two kids kind of used to the water. And this would be like one of the first times for them. You know, they've been in the pool a couple of times before, but like everything's new to kids. So it's like, yeah, dad's the hero. I'm going to take him into the pool and this is awesome. And so we're just kind of getting used to it and just kind of doing the bouncy thing. A little bit more wet. Oh, it's kind of cold. Isn't this fun? And they're kind of gripping onto, you know, the way kids do, just anything works, you know, your eye socket, a nose, right? Just hanging on to me. And suddenly... Immediately, as we all shouted out from the scripture, immediately this pool has, I don't know how it passed code, I don't know who built it, but if they're listening, they should be in jail. No, this pool was the steepest incline from shallow to deep end that I have ever been in in my life, and I'm not exaggerating, it was probably like 85 degrees, like it was just Is there even an edge on this? And so picture me now. I have two toddlers. Isn't this fun? We're having, ooh, it's cold. Isn't that great? Boom, and I'm underwater. Okay. It's funny now. Was not funny? Because I didn't get to take a breath. And it didn't go to, you know, seven feet. It didn't go to eight feet. I found out later it went to 12 feet, it was a diving pool. No one said that, there's no warnings. Kids are swimming with swans. Adults are diving and doing tricks. I'm the moron going, hey everybody, isn't this a good time? And suddenly, my feet are, you know, I feel nothing and I'm underwater with two children who also did not take a a breath. But they grab tighter to whatever they can grab onto me. And so without breath and without, you know, feeling this edge, that like I, can, I literally I could not climb back the other way. I'm not kidding. It was 85 degrees. It was nuts. So I made a decision. I have to go down to go up. And that's when I found out it was 12 feet. So I am hucking downward. <laughs> And then while I'm going down thinking, what am I going to do when I get to the top? Because I have two toddlers clinging to me, like mounted to my head and wrapped around my neck. So I, I boosted off the bottom as best I could and my decision was I'm going to launch my son <laughs> with one arm because my daughter had, you know, pretty well, like, legs wrapped around the neck, arms around the top of my head, and my son was kind of just on this arm, so I thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna launch him. So, without having taken a breath, I'm now down there making this plan, and as I come up, I launch him and yell, help with the last little bit of breath that I don't have. Help! And I go under again. My son's flying across a pool, or... <laughs> grazes a swan. And some lady, to my shame, I don't know who it was because it was a birthday party and it wasn't our kids, so there's all kinds of people you don't know. Some lady across the yard, probably as far away as where I am to the back wall of this sanctuary, I, I can see as I'm going back under, I see a skirt and legs running toward me because I'm at ground level going under again. And when I come back up, this lady has jumped in with all her clothes on and grabbed my son and was calling others and other people started jumping in and took Abby and everyone's concerned about the kids and I'm just, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be all right. Somebody just pump my legs and get the water out. And what's a funny story now was desperate then because the thought of what can happen, and if no one noticed, what do we do? Because it's loud and the music's playing and everybody's splashing and everyone's having fun and the, the yell of help sounds just like, yeah. When everyone else was like, Yay! <laughs> Woohoo. But someone heard my cry and and saw my 10-month-old launch across the pool and came. And jumped in. See, desperate times call for desperate measures. And that lady came running and jumped in in her clothes. Probably not what she planned on doing in coming to a kid's pool party. But threw decorum to the side and jumped in to make a difference because she could see the desperation. This woman that we're reading of in Mark chapter 5 was in a desperate situation. She was bleeding for 12 years. I don't know everything, but I know that bleeding that long isn't good. I know that that is a significant issue. I know that what is clear from the subtext is that this is is a menstrual cycle that has gone wrong. And so this, this woman is bleeding nonstop. So what is happening is, She's obviously very low, very anemic, very weak, and she's, she's got obviously a physical problem where the weakness is, is real. She's, she's got a financial problem because the Bible tells us, Mark's gospel tells us, that she spent everything that she had on doctors, but instead of getting better, it got worse. That, that means that the stuff they were trying was expensive and ineffective. And so she's spending all of her money and so now she's got no money and now she's she's got this physical problem that there just seems to be no solution to it. She's got to feel the emotional separation of being cut off from social situations and, and being able to interact and just kind of the, 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 the thing that begins to happen when you're facing a medical issue for a long time is you can start to feel like, why me? You can start to compare yourself to others and think, man, must be nice, I wish. Oh, so I'm so glad, I'm so glad that she found a husband. Isn't that nice for her? I'm so glad that those guys got pregnant. I'm so excited that your kids are healthy. I'm so happy that you got that promotion. Congratulations. (laughs) But what can happen is you can start to kind of rot on the inside. The physical thing is is really, when it comes to these types of challenges, the physical is like kind of the, the, it's like everything else is the real issue question of faith that starts to stir is bigger than just trying to solve the physical need is where's God in this whole thing? She has a spiritual issue as well because as a woman in that time under Old Testament law in Jewish culture she's not allowed to go to synagogue. She's not allowed to go to a place of worship. So so she's desperate how many can see it she's desperate this this is on every level of her life it's it's desperate and when you get desperate where you go to for solution and strength is where you have aimed your faith it's where you are looking for your answer. I want you to contemplate this. I want you to contemplate this question. Where do I go? Where do you go? When you get desperate. For this woman, this this bleeding condition was, from anything that we can tell, it was not something that was caused. It was something that was just a disease, problematic to her body. Some of the things that put us into desperate situations or maybe, maybe there's some cause behind it. Maybe you're in a desperate situation because of some choices that people around you have made. Maybe that business decision that you made went sour and, and now you're in a financial jam. Maybe, maybe your spouse made some decisions as it pertains to your marriage and you find yourself in a marriage that you didn't bargain for. And you find yourself in a desperate situation going, What do I do with this? Maybe you have made some dumb choices and now as a result of those dumb choices, which is just sanitary language for sin... Maybe as a result of some sin, not this woman's situation, maybe maybe a situation you're in. Maybe you're finding yourself as a result of sin. You're feeling cut off from God. You're feeling cut off from his favor. You're feeling the result and the consequence of those decisions where you find yourself desperate. The question that I have for you is when you're desperate, where do you look? Where do you go? Where do you do you look for solution and answer? This woman had tried the medical route. That's not wrong, by the way, if you're in a medical journey. It's not as though that's included in the text to say, "And she went to doctors. That was stupid. She should have just come to Jesus." She was like this for 12 years. Before Jesus launched into his earthly ministry, she had this problem. It's not wrong to go down a medical route. But I would suggest to you that if you're in a medical journey, don't put your hope in what the doctors can do. Keep your eyes on Jesus and let God use the doctors through your faith. That's totally wisdom and faith cooperating. So I'm I'm not saying anything about that being wrong. But when you're desperate, where do you look? This woman got desperate But I want to point something out. In her desperation, she found herself in the presence of Jesus. Maybe all the scenarios that I am just kind of unpacking here of things that have happened to you or maybe things that you've done or a business deal gone wrong or a marriage that's in trouble or or whatever else, wherever you might find yourself tonight, listen to me. Listen, listen. When you're desperate... Get to the presence of Jesus. Get into the presence of Jesus. What I love about the record of Scripture is that if we pay attention to what is said and how it's said, we can learn something about how faith operates. I want to draw your attention once again to verse 28 of Mark chapter 5. She's in the presence of Jesus. She's been bleeding For 12 years, she's run out of money. She's run out of options. And in the presence of Jesus, she thought, verse 28, she thought, maybe highlight that, circle that word. She thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. What's amazing to me is this woman is in a desperate situation but something has caught her attention about Jesus. She's heard his reputation and it has stirred something in her that she needs to break out of her normal routine, which may have most likely involved just a lot of low activity and just kind of, you know, just just managing the day. But today, She ventures into a trip. She ventures out of the house into such a busy throng that everyone is pressing around Jesus and she is so weak and so anemic she's on her knees crawling through this crowd. A busy crowd that's crushing around Jesus and she finds herself down low hoping to not be noticed. Her bleeding condition maybe even revealing itself as she's making her way through that crowd, but she had a thought in the presence of Jesus. See, how you think in the presence of God matters. The Bible doesn't say that she had a word from God the night before in her prayer time. The Bible doesn't say that a friend came and said, Hey, Betty. If you go to the Jesus service tomorrow, I just feel like you just need to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. I had a prophetic dream about it. The Bible doesn't say that an angel came and said, reach out and touch the hem of his garment. The Bible says she had a thought. How you think in the presence of Jesus matters. She had a thought. She had an idea. She didn't have a word from God. She didn't have an angelic visitation. She had an idea. And she acted on that idea. I'm going to give you a word for that. Faith. She had an idea in the presence of the Lord. And she acted on it. And the thought, the idea, was unprecedented. Somebody say unprecedented. Unprecedented means it's never been done before. She didn't see this somewhere. She didn't hear this somewhere. She had an idea in her desperation. She kind of got to this place where it was like, what do I have to lose? I'm going to press forward and just see if I can touch the hem of his garment. The thought that she had wasn't enough, she needed to do something about it. She needed to step out of what was comfortable and move toward what was uncomfortable. To reach out in faith. Why? Because it wasn't going to happen for her otherwise? Yes. The answer to that is yes. See, if we we read the Bible and we go, well, this is just cool that this just happened. And it was clearly on God's calendar and this just happened. And, you know, so really, you know, it was her day. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. The point of the story with all of the detail that is included is not so you could just go, isn't that cool? She did that. The point of the story is for you and I to catch hold of something that when I'm in the presence of Jesus, I need to pay attention to the thought that is in me because that thought that is in me could be something that requires a bit of action and causes me to press through and do what I haven't done before to receive what I haven't received before. (laughs) That I have to be willing to get uncomfortable and do what I need to do to get close to Jesus. And too many times, and I'm talking in Canada, and I am a Canadian born in Ottawa. I know what I'm talking about. We're pretty passive as Canadians. I'm insulting myself if you're insulted. (laughs) But even if you were, you wouldn't tell me because you're Canadian. (laughs) The fact is that we can talk ourselves out of faith-filled action with half-baked theology that sounds good, but it produces nothing. Well, if Jesus wants to heal me, he can, and he knows my heart. Well, that sounds good. I, you know, I'm looking for that story. <laughs> so Betty was just like, Jesus knows my heart. I'm not even going to trouble myself to leave the house. I'm going to sip on some iced tea and believe that today is my day. And perhaps he can bring me my miracle with a side of fries. I'm just going to stay right here. Can we catch something? The thought in the presence produces action that releases breakthrough. And the story is recorded the way it is, so we do that math so that we think that through and recognize this is not a story of simultaneous coincidence. A desperate woman in the healing power of Jesus, what we have is a desperate woman in the presence of Jesus getting an idea and acting on it. See, when we're too good to come to the altar, and I, I'm sorry, I'm just preaching like I mean it, because I do, I can just meet with God later at home. Yeah, I know you can But there's something about getting when the getting's good. There's something about coming when the Spirit of God is moving. There's something, if I can see anything and if I've learned anything about partnering with the presence of God, it's about seizing moments. It's about moving in partnership with Him in the now, not waiting till later and being all Canadian and demure about it. I mean, if we can wait till later, why did the four friends rip a hole in the roof and lower their friend in front of Jesus? Just wait till the service is over and catch him in the hall. (laughs) Why rip a hole in the roof? Because the scripture says in Luke 2, the power of the Lord was present for him to heal and he wasn't healing anybody. So they said, now's the time. How do they know now's the time? Because they had a thought in the presence She had a thought in the presence and the thought produced action. And it's not coincidence. It's how faith works because faith without works is dead. Faith that remains an idea doesn't make it in the book. I mean, there might be chapters and chapters and chapters. If that got recorded, if somehow the inspired authors just went and knocked on doors. Hey, did you ever go to a Jesus service but not do anything? Yeah. What didn't you do? Well, as you can see, I'm blind. And I felt like one day yelling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But I didn't want to call attention to myself, and I figured he knew my heart. I didn't want to confess blindness over myself, so I... So I I stayed here. If an inspired author managed to find the people who did nothing, the book would be enormous. But the record of Scripture is meant to teach us something about how faith works. And she crawled. She crawled because she had a thought. If I could touch the hem of his garment, I'll be cleansed. What I love is that the Holy Spirit honored her thought. I don't know if that's how that worked, Pastor Matt. You read it, and you tell me where I'm missing it. She had a thought, and immediately when she acted on it, she was healed. That's pretty easy math. She stepped out in obedience to a thought, to a nudge. And when she touched him, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that her sickness had left. And this is the really amazing part. Jesus felt the power go out and in his humanity didn't know who did it. Which is encouraging because it means that if you're desperate, you can sneak one. That's probably not good theology, but I don't know. It's in there. Jesus, fully God, fully man, walking in the anointing, feels power go out of him, which, I mean, just feast on that thought. That there can be such a relationship with the anointing that you can actually perceive levels is you can actually perceive draw and Jesus stops and goes, "Whoa. I just felt power go out of me. Who touched me?" Peter's like, "Really, Jesus?" "Yes." And we're not moving from here until until somebody until somebody tells us who did it. Now picture this, this is a bit awkward. The, sur- the service, everyone's moving along. Jesus is, you know, walking along, center of the crowd. Everyone's bustling together. It's like leaving the Sky Dome after a big game, you know. Do they call it the Sky Dome anymore? I do. I win. Anyway, so they're moving along, and they're just, they're jamming together like this, and all of a sudden, Jesus stops, and it's just like, boop, 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 boop. Everyone's just, who touched me? Peter's like, Jesus, everyone's touching you. No, 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 no. Who touched me? You know who knew the answer to that question the first time he asked? The woman. Why? Because immediately her bleeding stopped. Immediately she felt in her body that she'd been touched. Who touched me? And she didn't answer at first. Why? Why does it say that she came forward trembling with fear? She came forward trembling with fear not because she was afraid, oh man, I used up some of his anointing and I'm probably going to have to give it back. <laughs> she came forward trembling in fear, not because she was just like afraid to talk in front of a crowd, although that might have been part of it. But she was afraid because like I said, in first century Jewish culture under that Old Testament law, for a woman to be ceremonially unclean, bleeding as she was, for her to touch a Jewish rabbi was forbidden by the law. And for her to reach out and touch him, by law, made him unclean. By law meant that he needed to step outside of being in such a big crowd and separate himself for seven days. And so for her to fess up, and everybody knows Betty. Betty. bleeding but I don't know so everybody knows sorry I thought it right away and then I was like is that insensitive but then then I said it and you all heard me so can I just be Canadian for a sec sorry okay so everybody knows her and she goes from her posture now if you've ever had an encounter in the presence of the Lord, if you raise your hand if you've ever felt the presence of God in your body. That's what she's experiencing. Think on it. She's felt that tangible, like Holy Spirit electricity. Touch the hem of his garment, and it like power goes through her immediately. I mean, Mark took the time to interview her after go, what happened? Immediately, I touched, and it was like, wow. I had the idea. I touched the hem of his garment, and immediately, my bleeding stopped, and I felt in my body that I was healed. And now, all of a sudden, while she's just under the power of God, Jesus is, you know, the dominoes are all stacking up against Jesus while he's, who dodged me? Who touched me? Somebody touched me. Jesus, everyone's touching you. No, somebody touched me. I felt power go up from me. I'm not. I'm not going to continue walking until somebody tells everybody what you did. Who was it? It was. It was me. I. I've been bleeding for 12 years and I spent everything. I tried everything. But I got into your presence and I had this thought. If I could just touch the hem of your garment. So I did. And my pleading stopped. And I feel like I've been healed. And he touches her and says, go on, faith, daughter. Go in peace. Your faith has healed you. Think on it. That miracle could have happened. It could have came and went, and it could have been just Jesus and Betty's little secret. It could have been just a little moment in the service where he felt power go out, And just was, wow, I don't know what that was. Bless you. (laughs) She could have thought, wow, it worked. But I better not tell anybody. Because if I tell people that I touched a rabbi, they could lock me up. But Jesus stops and insists that she testify. Why? Why? Because when he felt the power go out, he knew a new crack in the dam had just opened up. There was a new release of glory that needed to be shared. And so she shared the story. You can imagine how that would ripple through the crowd. Is that Betty? Betty who? You know. <laughs> bleeding Betty? Yeah. Yeah. What's she doing? What's she saying? She's saying that she just like crawled through the crowd and felt like if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she touched the rabbi. (gasps) And everyone's sitting there going, what's he going to do? And what's Jesus do? He doesn't flinch. He says, you know what? You can't make me unclean. I can make you clean. You can't contaminate me. I can set you free. You can't mess with what I'm carrying, but I can destroy what's holding you. I want everyone to know what happened here because this is too good to keep a secret. He makes her testify and share the story. And you can imagine now, faith starts rippling through the room. People start thinking to themselves, why didn't I do that? I was waiting for the altar call. I really felt the presence of God from the first song tonight and I just wanted to come and kneel at this altar but I didn't want everyone thinking I'm more spiritual. Oh, look at, look at him going up there. Ooh, excuse us. You're so spiritual. I really felt like I was supposed to sow a significant seed this week but I don't know if that's just stupid. I, I really felt like I was supposed to pray for that lady with the orange shirt and I, ha, ah, that's just dumb. I'm just not going to do it. How many times do we talk ourselves out of a move in the presence of God? And Jesus made her share the story and wanted everyone to know that this anointing changes. There's there's more authority in the anointed one over sin and sickness, that sin and sickness can't contaminate me, but I can drive it out of you. What are you going to do when you're desperate are you going to wait for the most orderly moment, or are you gonna to respond to the nudge, to the thought? Are you gonna be willing, like David, to be a little undignified? Are you gonna be willing to snap out of the Canada and just be like, I feel like shouting amen when someone's preaching. I feel like, I feel like, sta- I feel like getting to the altar. I feel like worshiping. I feel like wearing a sweatband when I come to church because I am about <laughs> to get down. You you could have a whole line of Mountain Park sweat gear. That's an amazing idea. How many times do we talk ourselves out of the bold obedience because it hasn't been done before? You know what's funny is every one of us, we want God to use us. God, use me however you want. God, do don't don't let me just blend in. Don't let me just be average. Do in me what you really want to do. And then God nudges you and is like, why don't you just crawl through and touch the hem of my garment? You're like, oh Lord, use me and do something. Just just do something amazing through my life, God. Why don't you just go pray for that lady? Oh, God, use me, but don't, don't. Push me out of my comfort zone, Lord. (laughs) Use me in fantastic ways, but don't let people think I'm weird. Oh, God. (laughs) He made her testify. She didn't talk herself out of it. She owned it and shared the testimony. Flip over to the last verse of chapter 6. And wherever he went, into the villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. You see, what was an idea in chapter 5 became a whole new avenue of healing by the end of chapter 6. What was one woman's idea became one woman's testimony, became the whole community's means of access to the anointed one. Your breakthrough, hear me tonight, your breakthrough isn't just for you. Your breakthrough is for more than you. God doesn't just want to break through for your convenience and make the quality of your life better, but God wants to break through in your life so that your life can be a testimony that you might have to stand up nervous and afraid that you might get kicked out, but just stand up and go, "Uh, actually, I just had this idea. I touched him and I felt power go through and Jesus like, awesome, go in peace. Your faith has healed you. Did everybody hear that? I need to touch the hem of his garment because if he can do it for her, See, your testimony says to somebody, if he can do it for you, maybe he could do it for me. Your breakthrough becomes a corporate, a corporate reality. It becomes community property. That Your breakthrough becomes a means of access. Worship team, I want you to come. Your breakthrough tonight, how you press in and go after Jesus. It's not just for you, but as you begin to let boldness stir in your heart, as you begin to press through what's uncomfortable, and shake off the fear of what people might think, and shake off how it sounds on the outside, and what people might think and what they might say, and what the rule book says, but you just kind of share your testimony. Trust me, your darkest hidden place that is the most embarrassing thing that you feel like nobody could understand, that breakthrough, some Somebody's sitting here right now going, I wish I knew that God could break through like that. Tell that story. Break through and testify. Break through and testify. All over this room tonight, the Spirit of God, who is the same yesterday and today and forever, the same Holy Spirit who for us, as we read this scripture, for us, it's a 2,000-year-old story. For the Holy Spirit, it's a present reality because he dwells outside of time. For him, as as we're in this moment, he's in this moment with us, and he's in that moment simultaneously. That as we sit under the anointed preaching of God's word, ideas begin to, to take form in your thoughts. Maybe I should text my brother. Maybe I should call so-and-so. You know, I, I feel like if I went to the altar right now, I might just fall into a mess and cry, and I don't want to do that because I've never investigated. Why don't I want to do that? I got some idea of decorum that actually doesn't really apply in the presence of the Lord. Faith and obedience lead to breakthrough and testimony. And in this room tonight, the same Jesus, now glorified, now fully aware of who would be reaching out in faith in this place, stands ready for your faith-filled obedience to press past what people think and self-impose limitations until desperation and hunger begin to drive our behavior.
0: We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch finally if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you we'd love to hear it just email us at mystory@mp.church at mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately